This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch. Here it is. Long fly ball deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes! 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 Now get ready, this is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts, Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. Well, hello everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Platinum Sombrero. Not as happy of an episode, but still brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. I know the Braves NLCS did not go the way we were all hoping. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But there's still some major sports going on. The World Series gets underway tonight as the Dodgers and the Rays get set for Game One of the World Series. We've got uh, football in full swing, NFL and college football. This was a bad week if you were a Georgia and Braves fan, but hey, there will be brighter days. Just go to Bet Online. You can uh, use our promo code Armchair. Get a little special surprise. Not going to tell you what the surprise is. You have to go and use the promo code to find out. Go to Bet Online if you want any of the easiest or most profitable money lines, prop bets, whatever the case may be, in-game betting. Go to Bet Online. They can get you all set up. Just use our promo code Armchair. All right, Doc. I know we're not feeling very well today. Um, still, it's been a uh, been a day or two, but um, man, it sucks. I hate doing day after shows. I really, really, really hate doing day after shows. You know, everybody, all of the content creators out there. I know Atlanta Baseball Talk was doing this, and my Talking Chop brethren were as well. And I'm sure there were some more. They're going unnoticed. But for everybody who was doing immediate post-game reactions, like as soon as the final out came up, immediately starting to record, props to everybody who did that. I don't know how you did that emotionally, because I was a wreck after every game, good or bad. So even similar to the trade deadline episode, I'm, I'm glad we gave ourselves a little bit of time, you know, 42 hours or so, to kind of start digesting this and really putting our feelings about it in perspective because anytime a series goes to seven games, somebody's going to get their heart broken and just this one hurts. This one really, really hurts. And the truthfully, the better team did win. I mean, the, the Dodgers just even for as well-rounded as, as the Braves 
are slash were the Dodgers are more so. I mean, they're they're kind of the the model franchise right now for their ability to build a team and also have a farm system and just a, an absurd payroll. But uh, all things considered, be things being what they are, it it is really easy to forget that the Braves won two postseason series for the first time since uh, since two thousand one. And there, there's a lot of positives to come out of this. So I think that we should do this the way we've been doing it. Give the uh, the Braves the compliment sandwich. We'll start with some good. <laughs> we'll get to the bad. And then, and then we'll we'll close on something good. Uh, I, I, I kind of agree with you there. Uh, there are a lot of things to be sad about in this series. But there's also a lot of things that we learned coming into it. And while it does hurt, it's not the same type of hurt that we're used to. And I, I said this on, on Locked On today. And I'm sure I'll, I've said this on Twitter a number of times. I'm sure I'll say it again pretty much all offseason. This is the type of hurt that you get when you are genuinely a contender. When you play like you're a contender and you get so close to the top of that mountain, you have to get near the top for it to hurt this bad. And it's one of those crazy catch-22s in sports where if you're never a good team, if you're the Orioles or the Royals, it doesn't really hurt that bad when you suck because uh, you always suck. Like If you're the Browns, like it, it doesn't hurt that bad because you don't get to the point where you get to the losses that really matter. For this Braves team... That's one of the that's one of the things that we've been asking for before the season started. You and I, our our goals for this team was to win a playoff series, was to just to not get bounced in the first round. They did that. They handled their business against the Reds. They handled their business against the Marlins, and they gave the Dodgers everything they could handle in the seven game set. Uh, I'm not going to say that I'm happy, but I'm going to say that uh, I I feel like the Braves didn't leave anything on the table. Like, I'm not satisfied. I'm not. I'm not content or anything like that, but I, I feel like the Braves genuinely played about as well as anybody could have hoped for them to play. It just didn't work out for them this year. And there was there were conflicting reports from person to person about this season and what it meant. I mean, there was a point where we weren't even sure that there was going to be a season at all. Thanks, Miami. And e- even... even Aside from the Marlins and aside from the Cardinals, that whole thing, there was just so much that was up in the air about the daily testing and what's going to happen if there's like a super spreader event or whatever, whatever the case was. So we're just looking at this going, you know, there was a point like right before the season started where I'm thinking there's no way there's not a chance that this is going to get finished. And not only did did it get seen through? I mean, the way that everybody handled this, not just the Braves, but but most teams handled this with a plum. I thought I thought it was very um very commendable the way that that a lot of teams wound up handling this whole situation and this whole season. But we spent a lot of time saying, even if it does make it to the end, how much does it count? And you know, when you get this far into it, like there there will be no asterisk. If the Dodgers win, then they earned it. If the Rays win, then they earned it. I mean, this is this is a baseball season. The, no no question about it for me. And you know, th- this isn't this isn't what we wanted. And and if it had been 162, it might it might have worked out differently in in a million different ways. But things being what they are, I mean, this this team lost an entire pitching staff and then some. And was tr- trying to rely on meaningful innings from Tommy Malone and Robbie Erlin and Tuki Toussaint. Love him as we do. You know he he was not really having that great of a year. He didn't outside of that one game against Toronto. He didn't really thrive in the opportunities he was given. But we learned so much about this team and the younger guys and and starting to see how the this team how the core you know your Acunas and Albies and Freemans and Swansons how everybody is built in the playoffs and how they respond to those big situations. So 
plenty, plenty of good things to get excited about. And and look, this is going to sting for a while. You know, the the St. Louis loss and the NL, NLDS last year that stung until this season started. So I'm I am not planning on forgetting how this feels until at least February or March when spring training starts. But you know, all things considered, this is the best season the Braves have had in 20 years, and there's a lot to be said for that. It's easy it's easy to get caught up in in how how disappointed we are, but still a lot of good there. And can we talk for a second about the fact that Christian Pache, who had basically zero experience in the major leagues, stepped right in in the NLCS and looked like he had been playing all year. Yeah, and, and I think that was, uh, a, you and I had, had kind of lambasted Snit earlier this season when he had that idiotic presser where he called Pache just a, a defensive replacement only. And you and I had been saying, you know, while that happened, like, dude, why would you even say that when you're running Ender and Ciarte out there? Uh, I think Pache showed a lot of people, not just on just not just Braves fans, but inside the organization, that he's a lot further along than many of them gave him credit for being. Uh, the the way he approached his at bats, that to me was the biggest difference. I've known Pache has power. You and I have seen how big he is, and we we were there at the Futures game uh, a, a year or two back in 2019, where he bashed those two bombs. Uh, and we, we've seen what he's been able to do as, as like his growth over the last couple of seasons, as far as being able to uh, put together relap bats and start having extra base hit power and things of that nature. So you, I don't think you or I would be surprised that he started hitting the ball hard. He generally hits the ball hard. The the one knock against him had been throughout his minor league career when he got signed. It was supposed to be a this is a huge contact guy, great eye for the plate. We didn't see it in the minors, but in this this postseason in this series, we saw a young player who was really spitting on a lot of great pitches, showed a great eye at the plate, had some really key walks that unfortunately the Braves just weren't able to take advantage of a lot of the time. Uh, but we saw him make uh, one home run robbing catch, uh, had, had a chance for two more that you and I both just kind of assumed. That's how good of a defender he is that we just assumed he was going to rob these two homers. You can hear John Smoltz, if you listen hard enough, still tell you how he would have stolen those two homers as well. Uh, but... Uh, just a phenomenal series from Pache, and that's a that's a big coming out party for him. Kind of a a thumb at anybody that said, "Oh, he's not ever going to hit." Oh, he's not a, a playable offensive guy. He's just a defense guy first. Uh, really, really showed a lot of people that he's a lot further along. And you can go ahead and write him in Sharpie in center field for the start of twenty twenty one. No, I think I think you're absolutely right. And what's important to note about what was happening on offense was that he wasn't just doing this. He wasn't just beating up on bottom feeder teams. I mean, this is the Dodgers. They have got pitching, and he looked really, really good against them. I mean, you're going to get mixed results when 99.7% of your plate appearances to have taken place in the minors. And in some cases, it's guys that are throwing hard, but they don't know where it's going, or guys that can locate, but they're throwing you know, 88 or whatever, so it, it does make it a little easier on you. When you hit your first home run in your entire career off a of Julio Urias, that's nothing to shake a stick at. So, yeah, and for a team that when, you know, I mentioned Erlin and Malone earlier, and for a team that went so all in on the youth movement, when they started to thrive was when they said, look, we're just going to throw the young guys out here. And then they were able to, you know, once Ian Anderson started the log innings and Kyle Wright kind of figured things out a little bit at the tail end of the regular season, you're going, well, maybe there really is something here. And then, you know, what Bryce Wilson did in the NLCS, we'll get to him in a second. Um, so when you start seeing that exuberance from all of the young guys, you know, Pache was the one who was there, but he wasn't really getting, wasn't really getting the time. And then as soon as Duvall got hurt, then it's like, well, we just... Here's another one to just drop right in the middle of this thing. And that that's when the team really thrived is when they had all of the young guys on the field. 
And and even, okay, we know about what happened to Kyle Wright. Okay, we talked about Pache. We can talk about Kyle Wright, his performance in the NLCS, but I'd rather not. We all kind of know what happened, and I think one bounce gets him out of that inning. The 10 runs that they scored, or 10 of the 11 runs that they scored in the first inning of Game 3 uh, were with two outs. So he was very close to, to getting out of that. He didn't, but I think that um, the moment just got a little too big for him, so it wasn't completely sold on it. Bryce Wilson goes out in Game 4, and throws the best game of his life. One, certainly the the biggest, certainly the biggest game of his career. And when you're looking at all of the different starts that the way that things could have gone, whether it was Max or Ian or anybody, Bryce stepped up better than anybody in all of the playoffs because everybody was just laughing at this, going, "You're going to put this kid with an ERA of six over ten or seven career starts or whatever it was against a first ballot Hall of Famer. Okay, guys, good luck. And he didn't just stay neck and neck. He full-on outdueled him. And then Waskar Anoa in Game 3 showing up and putting up four innings and kind of saving the bullpen. It didn't wind up leading to a series win, but that that's another young guy who just stepped up and said, look, it's on me to make this happen right now. If I don't do this, the team is going to implode. And he stepped up. So I just... What I'm looking forward, because we can't, we can only look back so much. We lost. It's too bad. You know, there, there is good, there is bad, but we are going to have to look forward here. You start looking at Pache and Bryce Wilson and Waskar Noah and even Kyle Wright, because I'm not trying to minimize all of the steps that he took this year. These are guys that we were kind of not fully sold on, or at least being able to immediately contribute. And I think all four of those guys that I just mentioned play a rather large role next year. For the 2021 Braves. I mean, when when you talk about those, you really can't say enough about what Bryce did. This is a guy who a lot. Of, it's easy to forget when you see some of his AAA numbers and you see uh, how it had gone for him in in the major leagues. Up aside from like his final start or two, uh, it, it's easy to forget that he's the guy that that beat out uh, Ian Anderson and Joey Wentz and Kyle Muller. He beat them to the majors as a guy that got drafted right out of. Uh, North Carolina High School was Orange County, North Carolina, which is not the Orange County you think of. Uh, just went out there and, and throughout his young minor league career up into Double A was was just putting guys away, wasn't walking people, was just shoving pretty much night in and night out. Struggled a little bit once hitters started to get to where they could hit his fastball consistently. But when you talk about what he was able to do in that game, and he did it in a little bit of a different way. Uh, we, we've seen. At times, he has one of the most devastatingly beautiful sliders I've ever seen. And then there's times where it's just a cement mixer. And, and it's a new pitch for him, so you can kind of forgive him. But what you saw in that outing against the Dodgers was him working perfectly with a four-seamer and a sinker. A sinker that he really hadn't featured very much until his last start of the season. But he was able to elevate the four-seam in the zone and use the sinker going down and in, which is not something that Dodgers hitters, I think, were very accustomed to, uh, and, and just looked absolutely fantastic. And that's, uh, Wasker Anoa is going to get completely forgotten in this series. Wasker Anoa was brilliant in Game 3. Almost makes you wish that uh, that they'd pitched him a little bit more, but he was absolutely brilliant. Went out there and threw, I think it was 75, 76 pitches, the most he's ever thrown in an outing. Didn't he get up close to 90, actually? Uh, it was 92. Like during yeah. the during the season, he was on a pitch count of like 65 tops, and he he got to 92 in game game three. It was in, humongous. In the biggest moment of his career against the best lineup that he's ever faced, he went out there and was absolutely dynamite. Showed showed why you and I have been so high on his stuff all year long and into last year. And that's another name that you can add to this this carousel. And when you're talking about 2021, 
you're going to lose some guys. We're, we'll talk about this later on, but you're going to you're going to have to you're going to lose some bullpen guys, two or three at least. Uh, we'll see what happens with some arbitration and matriculation a little bit. But uh, you're talking about if the Braves do what we all expect and they add a starter somewhere, you're talking about you're going to have Kyle Wright, who pitched aside from the NLCS, ended the year very very well. Now the NLCS, you can't just say, well, you know, take out the 15 run game. Uh, and he actually pitched pretty good. Um, we're, we're not going to do that. But uh, if, if you look at his uh, his starting against Miami, you look at his, his his starts to end the season, looked like he had really started to turn things around and started to pitch a lot more like we expected to see him coming into the season. Now, you and I have some differing opinions on that, and I'm sure we'll get into those on a later show. But you're talking about uh, you're going to have a battle between Bryce, Waskar, and uh, and Kyle Wright, and the, the whoever loses those battles, if they're not sent as a trade somewhere else, those guys are going to kind of matriculate to the bullpen. You're going to start to see some of these young guys uh, who, who we've seen in, in a little bit of sparse situations are going to start playing bigger roles. Uh, there's no doubt that Bryce and, and Enoa most certainly opened a ton of eyes in the organization. The organization's always been high on Bryce and always been high on, on all three of them, really. But I don't think people expected Bryce and Wasker to come out there and throw as well as they did. Certainly no one expected that type of start from Bryce. So you, you'll see at least one of those guys take over one of those bullpen spots. I'm not sure which it'll be, but it'll be whoever loses. And whoever wins that competition will be a guy that you feel pretty good about at the bottom of a rotation heading into 2021. I know that's not what everybody wants to focus on right now, but you do look to 2021 and you say that it should be a bright team. I'm not going to ever, I'm not going to say, ah, we just had Soroka, because I feel like that cheapens what this team was able to do. And, and the contributions you got from Ian Anderson and Max Freed and the bullpen and the lineup, I feel like making an excuse like, well, if we just had Mike Soroka, it'd be different. I feel like you kind of cheapen what this team was able to do. This team was a stellar unit. They went out there and they played like it. And, and you did get some answers about some of these young guys heading into next season. So uh, I know we're going to talk about uh, the, the offseason coming up here and then some of our priorities. But uh, speaking of priorities, Doc, I think you've got uh, a few priorities as far as each and every listener out there and, and maybe, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe something about their bodies. <laughs> yes, we are brought to you by Manscaped. I don't know about you, but the one of the first things I did after the uh, after the Braves got eliminated was I, I trimmed my playoff beard. First time since we cleansed the division. And just to clarify, I'm talking about the one that's on my face. But while I was trimming it, I was thinking, you know, I'm really glad I have a separate trimmer to trim other things because it's it's weird to use the same device on your face that you use downstairs, right? But I don't have to worry about that because I use Manscaped and you can too. If you go to manscaped.com, you'll see a wide array of offerings designed to keep your privates from going public. The Lawnmower 3.0 does exactly what it sounds like. Uh, you can enhance it by using the Shears 2.0 attachment, which also does exactly what it sounds like. Uh, there's all kinds of smell goods stuff too. You can get a competitive advantage over your fellow man just by having better smelling junk. Go to manscaped.com, use the promo code armchair that you get 20% off your order and free shipping. Once again, the promo code is armchair, one word, all caps, I think. 20% off free shipping. Manscaped because your body is the worst place to grow hair. And we are also brought to you by Bet Online. I got $40,000 on the raise. I'm probably going to lose that, but I would rather be broke than root for the Dodgers. Uh, if you want to follow suit, go to Bet Online, use our promo code armchair for a surprise promo. You got good things waiting for you when you get there, and maybe even more after you leave. Here is something... Ads over. Here is something that was pointed out to me uh, by by our good friend Boggy. Because Max Freed pitched Game Six and Ian Anderson pitched Game Seven, Bryce Wilson would have been the likely Game One starter of the World Series if the Braves had broken through. And it was just the one start, so I'm not fully comfortable with that. But I'm much more comfortable 
run, but would have been much more comfortable running Bryce out for Game 1 of the World Series after seeing what he did in Game 4. And it comes back to mentality stuff for me. Oscar Inoa, he's the bulldog. Bryce Wilson, he's a bulldog. You see that look on their face, and he they don't get scared. Their stuff comes and goes sometimes, but it's never the confidence that goes with them. So, um, going into next year, you know, you got Max Freed. He... He was in a position to step up and prove that he was the ace, and and he did that. He absolutely did that. And so even when Mike Soroka comes back, I still think Max is the number one. You got Ian Anderson. I don't think that unless he's doing like rehab stints or something, I don't think Ian Anderson ever pitches in the minors again. And I think you can at least make the case to where you can say Wilson and um, Wilson and Wright did enough to where you can go ahead and put them in the rotation for next year. And Noah, I think they like the idea of having that that longer guy. I think they also like the idea that if you give him a chance and he's only he just becomes a one inning guy and he can run the the velo up because he can touch a hundred. So if I think Anoa is probably a more likely fit in the bullpen, but they know they can get a little bit of length out of him. So there will be the decision to be made: Are you going to run with? a staff that's going to be Max Freed and a whole bunch of young guys. I mean, everybody else that is on the staff, even with the experience they have, they're still very young. Ian Anderson's going to be 23 for most of next year. Mike Soroka will be 24 for most of next year. Uh, Bryce Wilson's the same age as, as Ronald Acuna. So, I mean, he, he'll be 23 for most of next year, too. And I think Kyle Wright is 25. So, if you want to run out a rotation like that, I mean, you can... You could probably get away with that, but I mean, for building a full team for next year, you probably need to bring in some type of some type of veteran, some type of stabilizing presence. Even though Max is probably going to be able to do a lot of that, because th- this is his his second full year as a starter, he's going to be the elder statesman of the staff. But that just leads to a broader point, which is that now that the season is over, then all of there's a bunch of guys that are falling off of the roster. You know. Mark Melanson will be gone next year. Shane Green, Marcelo Zuna. So there is still going to be plenty of rebuilding for this team as far as reconstructing the roster. And I'm curious about what do you think the biggest offseason priority is? Uh, I don't think it's really any big shock for me to say this. I think you have to re-sign Marcelo Zuna. I know uh, you and I have uh we're we're of like mind that we're we're not 100% confident that's going to happen as a matter of fact we'd probably say it's more likely that it's not going to happen uh but but if you're just asking me what what I think the number one priority has to be Marcel because you can talk about you know add another one year guy or lengthen out the the lineup or or deepen the bench but that that doesn't encapsulate the whole story like you need to do that stuff anyway but it's not like you can just you've got to get somebody who can throw behind Freddie Freeman you need somebody who's a legitimate number 3 a legitimate number 4 in your lineup in order for this lineup to stay as dangerous as it was this year and we saw it with Donaldson the year before but Marcel what he did this year was was so incredible you and I'd been talking about it, and if you looked at his statcast data none of this should have shocked you the guy just hits every ball hard he's just a grizzly bear that hits the ball as hard as humanly possible uh, and, and just launches balls for days, but he fit in so seamlessly with this team. Now, you can talk about whether the DH is going to be around in 2021 or if we're going to have to wait for 2022. We'll probably save that for another episode because I don't think we have a ton of time left today. Um, but I would say Marcelo Zuna is my number one priority. And then I do think you need to get some sort of veteran pitcher. Now, I'm not talking about your Cole Hamels, your Felix Hernandez, the, that guy that you put in at the number four or five, and he's just kind of the, the elder statesman who's able to help these young guys. They can go that route, but honestly, I'm tired of going that route. Uh, I, I, want this, I want this team to – I want this ownership and, and, and this GM to, to really look 
at just how close you got to this, that you were maybe one player away from being in the World Series, away from playing tonight. And I just, I, I want them to go out and do something big, whether that's trade for you, Darvish, which is what I would do. Uh, I, I'd call Theo Epstein on his bluff. He said that the whole young core is available. They've got no farm system. Uh, Rizzo, Bryant, uh, Schwarber, Baez, they're all set to become free agents after next season. Uh, Wilson Contreras is set to become a free agent the season after. They don't have any young real pitchers. Albert Alzale is okay. Braylon Marquez is a good name, but he's he's not really ready either. Uh, that the Braves have have some really close to the majors type of talent that the Dodgers or the the Cubs really need if they want to continue being contenders in the Central. Uh, I would go after Darvish with everything I've got. Uh, I think I think you make a run at Bauer, but I, I'm I'm pretty convinced Bauer's going to end up in the Mets. I think Cohen is going to throw a ton of money at every top free agent and try to buy his way to some relevance, and he's got the money to do that. Uh, but I do think you need, I think you need a a starter, a veteran starter who is still at the top of his game or still a really really dominant guy. So uh, maybe it's Charlie Morton if he decides to fend off retirement for another season or two and come home to Atlanta. Um, I've seen some people talk about John Lester. That's kind of on the lower end of what I want. I don't really want Lester. Um, but he, I mean, he'd certainly be a stabilizing force here. Um, but Darvish is my guy, and I, I think those are your top two priorities. I'd like to see them extend Freddie. Uh, you've got about $70 million, if you and I are correct on our figures. You've got about $70 million to play with. Uh, I, I would really look towards, rather than, than doing what a lot of teams are going to do and, and kind of play it cheap because of the whole COVID outbreak. I would rather the Braves take advantage of what should be a a cheaper market because of however the team is going to act and, and really go after, really kind of go all in. I know I've been hoping for this to happen for like the past three years, but I keep coming back to saying the same thing. I'm not going to project that any of these guys come here because I already told everybody that I wouldn't, but I'm just going to say this. If you don't go all in after this year, when do you go all in? That's a great point. And, and the front office... Coming into this season, they broke broke through Braves payroll record by like twenty five or thirty million dollars. You know they they know that while Acuna and Albies and Swanson, and well, they got this young core that's not making a ton of money. Even the guys that they've locked up long term aren't making a lot of money. You know they they were making the push, and some of those deals worked, and some of them didn't. And I certainly understand. Okay, first off, we I think we all want to bring back Marcelo Zuna, whatever the whatever the cost is. And I understand why people would be saying, well, the Braves just went through an entire season with no fan revenue. There's no chance they're going to bring him back. Uh, that does leave out the fact that there were 29 other teams that also had no fan revenue. Every team out there lost their ass this year. And, you know, I don't feel bad for the billionaires, but I mean... They did lose a lot of money. That's just the stone cold fact, right there. Just the way that the way it all that all of this happened. But I think you know most teams were were losing money at a, at a somewhat equal rate. So when you go out to sign Marcelo Zuna, I feel like the Braves are kind of in the driver's seat. I don't necessarily think that he's going to come back, but I think that they have an opportunity if they're willing to spend to be in the driver's seat. One because there's the familiarity. Two because I remember when he first signed, talking about how he was a Braves fan growing up, not like. Uh, the rest of us watching TBS in our in our suburbs or whatever, but uh, you know that that was I think he said that was his dad's team. You know he he's a great fit for the roster. He's got the the familial connection to it, and a lot of free agents, particularly the middling guys, they're not going to get paid. Guys like Bauer and Real Muto and Ozuna and 
maybe like a Marcus Simeon. You know, there's going to be some guys that are going to get paid. But I don't think that any, you know, I saw JT Romuto wants like $200 million. you got to be kidding me. Even in his physical prime, he's not going to get that. And especially this year. And that, that has nothing to do with the fact that he's a catcher in his 30s. So what if Marzell, Marcelo Zuna goes out there and he has been thinking that he's going to get $125, $150 million contract? Well, if it's not out there, do you take the opportunity and bet on yourself again? And take another one-year deal. And if you do that, do you do it with the Braves? He's going to be lucky that he's not going to have a qualifying offer attached to him. That's something about Trevor Bauer. He says he wants to do these one-year deals. The first one is going to be the hardest because nobody's going to want to pay $35 million and give up a draft pick. Ozuna is such a crucial piece of this team. And it only half of that has to do with his offense. I mean, you see him in the dugout. That dude smiles more than anybody and he's just having a, a wonderful time all the time, whether it's the, the mixing it up or taking the selfies or just being a fool, just acting like a fool all the time and keeping everything so light. It's so crucial when you've got all the young guys out there. And in the playoffs, too, even when he wasn't hitting, he was he was helping to keep the dugout light, keep everybody loose and dancing and everything. So huge, huge priority there for me is, is to bring him back. And yeah, you can... You can make the case that he's going to price himself out or that he's already priced himself out, but I'm not giving up on it yet. And part of that has to do with the fact that I really don't know what direction you go to fill that three hole or that or that four hole. Because, you know, Austin Riley is going to be your prototype power hitter if, you know, if it's 1989. You go ahead and even if he's hitting 150, you're going to drop Austin Riley into the cleanup spot because he can give you some power. And that's how lineup construction used to go. Well, now people are hip to that. And, you know, Austin Riley's OBP is like 271. So you're going to drop him in the nine hole and hope he runs into a couple and plays good defense. So that still leaves the big gaping hole there. And the two biggest things about this team this year were the offense and the bullpen. And if you are going to go go into an offseason where you're possibly going to lose Marcelo Zuna, and with a bullpen where you're possibly going to lose Mark Melanson and Shane Green, and maybe not pick up Darren O'Day's option either, because his option's like $3.5 million, which isn't much, but once again, no fan revenue, who knows what the payroll's really going to be. There's a lot of work to be done there, and that's not to say that any of these guys wouldn't want to come back, but this formula worked really well, and if you get another year of Max Fried, Ian Anderson, Mike Soroka, whenever he comes back, whether it's May or August or whatever, and and Bryce Wilson and Kyle Wright and Waskar Noah, you can see, you don't even have to squint to see the Braves going back to the World Series next year. You know, that that is, if they can even kind of, if they can just get back to the playoffs, they've got another year of experience. You're going to have probably 65, 70% of this roster coming back for next year. The front office knows how good this team is. Alex Anthopoulos is not trying to waste this. He wasn't able to win in Toronto. He wasn't able to win in L.A., but he's very set up to win here. And even if he's not making those giant moves, trading Noah Syndergaard for Ari Dickey or, or whatever, you know, he's still he's better about making smart moves now, and I don't think that he's going to try and let this get away. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if there was some type of big move that was made, whether it's re-signing Ozuna or finally pulling the trigger on that deal to keep the Braves from falling out of relevance. I think you have to. I don't think that you you can't get one game and, and two innings away from the World Series uh, and, and just 
go back to being like, oh, well, you know, we have to save a little bit of money here and there. Like, you, you can't be that team if you want to continue being in this spot. And Alex knows that. He's been part of Andrew Friedman's before. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, for, for the Smoltzian type of guys who like to hate on analytics, it's, it's interesting to note that all four teams in the CSs were uh, Andrew Friedman and his disciples. But um, I, I think Alex, Alex is certainly smart enough to know that you can't, you can't take a step back. If you allow, if you take a step back next season after what you did this season, that's going to take all the forward momentum you gained from being able to get past that first round and give the Dodgers such a series, and it's going to make it so much harder. It's going to make it. That's why I don't like talking about windows in baseball because there's just so many things that can happen. Like you, we can say that yeah, they're one of the most talented teams, so they should always be right up there. But that's not how baseball works. It's such a momentum-driven game, and it's such a long season that you can't just rely on, oh, we're young and talented. Because we've seen, just like we saw this year, crazy things happen in baseball. And you can be like the Mets, where they got to the World Series with that super young rotation and thought, hey, there's going to be plenty more. And they haven't been relevant since. You can't let that happen if you're the Braves. And if you're Alex Anthopoulos, you can't be the GM that almost got you there and then could never get back to that promised land. You can't do that. So, uh, like I said, I'm not going to predict any major moves, but I think if there's ever a season for Alex to kind of shake his MO, it's got to be this offseason, whether that's Marcel, uh, whether that's because if you're not going to go with Marcel, you have to replace a three or four hole. So whether that's Marcel or a George Springer, or maybe you roll the dice on J.D. Martinez and, and say that if he's allowed to have video again to, to go over, that maybe he can kind of rediscover some form. It's going to have to be somebody like that. You cannot just sign like a Jock Peterson to replace Nick Marcakis and call it a day. Like it's not that's not going to be acceptable to this fan base now. This fan base is not going to accept going well, some of this fan base will, but they're the same fan base that try to tell you you're a bad fan if you get disappointed or upset about a, a heartbreaking loss. So we don't really listen to what they think. Uh, but for the most part, this fan base is not going to allow you to to take a step back like that just on the grounds of trying to save some money because we we we've got a little taste of what it's like to play up to your potential. And these young guys, we don't want to waste these young guys. We don't want to waste Freddie Freeman's last prime years left. So there, there's a lot for Alex Anthopoulos to consider going into this offseason. And I don't think any GM is going to have an easy time this offseason. But I think knowing that just about every team is going to be pretty cheap takes a lot of the pressure off for a lot of these GMs. I don't think Alex is one of those. Alex is going to have to find a way. This is probably going to be his most stressful offseason, to be perfectly honest. He's going to have to find a way to maintain the talent level of this team uh, and acquiesce to whatever Liberty Media wants to do as far as uh, monetary restrictions, if there are going to be any, which... We can assume there's going to be, but we don't really know. Uh, Liberty Media may just say, you know what, let's go win this thing and make some money that way. It hasn't been their MO before, but we really don't know. Uh, so for Alex, there, there's going to be a lot of phone calls this offseason. There's going to be a lot of a lot of things he's going to be trying to do. So uh, we'll, we'll look forward to it as episodes go along, but um, we're coming up on the end of the episode here. We didn't talk a lot about uh, targets. We did that on purpose. So as we go on through the offseason, we're going to kind of revert back to the COVID uh, schedule. We'll, we'll do an episode every other week. Uh, I'm, I'm not interested in covering the World Series, really. Uh, if the Braves are in it, yeah, but the Braves aren't in it, so I'm not really interested in, in covering that. Um, so for everybody out there, just remember that we're going to start doing once every other week again, rather than uh, rather than doing a show every week and trying to force some content. want to make sure that you guys have some good stuff to listen to. So uh, thank you guys so much for, for sticking with us through this whole season. It's been a wild ride. It's been an amazing year. Uh, we didn't even really get to this, so I'm going to finish out with this question for you, Doc. It's on the show sheet here. Um, I just want to... To ask, because you know, we, we talk about what we've seen on Twitter a lot. Um, do you consider this a choke job? How do you think of 2020? 
you know, anytime you go up three one and you and you don't seal the deal, I mean the the opportunity to consider it a choke job is certainly there. But when I looked at this series, I remember thinking, you know, we I, I said last week we are going to beat the Dodgers, um, and we got really really close. But if you had told me coming into this season that we were going to take the Dodgers to the limit in the NLCS, um, knowing that all of the different things that happened this season. Um, no, I, I don't think it's a choke job. I, I can see, I can see why that would immediately enter some people's lexicon as the, as the phrase to use. But for me, no, I'm actually more than anything. I'm just, I'm really proud of this team. I, I wish they'd been able to take it across, but only one team can win every year. And this just wasn't the year. And we all hate the Dodgers and they're easy to hate because I feel like we lose to them all the time, but it might finally be their time. You know, we, we as the Braves watched our team win 14 consecutive division titles and only win one world series. And so if there's ever been a fan base that can empathize with the fact that the Dodgers keep winning division titles and they can't seal the deal, it's us. And I don't know about you, but I hated being in the middle of that. And so I think this might finally be the time for the Dodgers, and if if the Braves wind up losing to the team that wins it all, there I feel like there's some honor in that. So, um, no, I don't think it's a choke job, but I I certainly wish they had won. Do you? <laughs> you don't you don't think it's a choke job, right? No, I really don't. Uh, if they had if they lost in the first round again or lost to the Marlins, I would have said yeah, it's another choke job. But uh, I I just think that losses like this this is what happens when you're one of the when you're playing for real stakes. These are the type of losses that can happen. Uh, when when you're talking about playing the best teams in baseball, all these outcomes are are possible. And yes, I know I know the the twenty eight to three or twenty eight and three uh, for for teams up three one in a CS series. Uh, but I don't think that this was a choke job. Now, if they'd gone up three one and then gotten blown out all the last games, then yeah, I would have said that they choked it. But every game was was close and tightly contested. Uh, I thought that they played pretty strongly really I thought that they played about as well as they possibly could uh, I, I think that they just kind of ran out of juice there at the end so uh, I'm proud of this team I'm, I'm happy with what they were able to do and uh, I'm looking forward to next year so everybody else out there we'll be back again in two weeks won't be next week we'll be out there in two weeks so again thank you guys for for riding along with us this season and we'll see you in a couple weeks for the rest of our off-season episodes thank you so much we'll be back right here on the Platinum Sombrero mm-hmm.